Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. We're taking a look at Psalm 57 today. So uh, I mentioned this last week. Uh, it's not a total detour, though, because this, as we see in the superscription, the title, uh, it's when David was hiding in a cave from Saul. Uh, and so this actually lines up really nicely with what we've been reading about in First uh, Samuel. We're, we'll be getting there uh, pretty soon, where we actually have the story of uh, David kind of coming onto the scene. So, so far, it's all been about Saul, but uh, here we're going to get David pretty soon in First Samuel. This will line up with uh, chapter 22 or uh, chapter 24 thereabouts. So this will be cool to kind of take a look at this, an, another perspective, another take on this uh, very cool story of Saul and David. Joining us today, we have one of our regular guests. We've got Pastor David Boyce Clare, pastor at Faith and Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. Good morning, brother. Good to have you Good back. Good morning. And uh, looking at a psalm together today. Yeah, yeah, it's always fun. It's a, it's a, it's quite a, it's a neat psalm. <laughs> yeah, and um, it's a little bit different from a lot of the psalms that we've been looking at, um, that we looked at more recently. Uh, I mean, for like lots of reasons, but it, it's neat that this is one of these that, that just lines up with a biblical uh, narrative. So, I mean, and, and so particularly too, it just kind of lays it out. Um, so in that, in that respect, it's, uh, it, it's kind of one of these special Psalms and they're not, they're not too many of these, right. That have like a specific episode in mind, right? That's right. And, and like you say, this, this is a very good way of studying scripture to, to, uh, you know, find it, like this is a totally unrelated to a uh, historical account. Uh, it's a song or, or a song of worship, and and uh, you know, and there, it kind of points to uh, a, a reference uh, to the history. And sometimes uh, scholars have said, "Well, you shouldn't pay much attention to that." But uh, sometimes, sometimes the um, the super it's still part of scripture. I mean, so. <laughs> I think yeah, I think yeah. uh, we need to to pay it the due respect that it that it deserves. <laughs> well, and, and maybe we can talk about some of the the different layers of that, um, and get get into that the super because this is a little bit of longer superscriptions too, um, like in the ESV, which has like the all capitals. It's a lot of all capitals right <laughs> at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, but before we. Uh, get any further along let's uh let's go ahead and open things up with a word of prayer if you uh, if you would brother yes let us pray god most high carry us in your arms of mercy and cover us with your gracious love and forgiveness in our lord jesus christ that we may make our way through this life to the life to come may we have the confidence of the psalmist who hopes in you through all the terrors of this life Defend, strengthen, and keep your church through these difficult times. Guide us by your Holy Spirit that we may grow in our faith, love, and knowledge of you, the only true God, who with our Lord, your Son, and the Holy Spirit are one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, anything else we should say by, by way of introduction? Um, just, I mean, I guess one— it might be helpful to kind of catch us up in the sequence of the story, because like I was saying, we, we've only, um, as we're going through first Samuel here, we've only gotten through chapter 15. 
but this is a, a several chapters ahead, so may, maybe you could um, just kind of set that up for us. Yes. Um, obviously, uh, Saul is uh, not the king that everybody was hoping for him to be. Uh, it was, in a sense, it was his reign to uh, make, uh, not, not to make, as only God, of course, can give success, but he, uh, it was his to <laughs> mess up. And so obviously by his shortcomings, uh, as time goes on, you know, he, he will mm-hmm. prove to be uh, and not a faithful king, although he's not as bad as some of them later on. But uh, right. then God rejects him. Uh, and through his servant Samuel, uh, anoints another uh, man to be king, which of course is David. And uh, what's what's um, interesting is that David then becomes a part of Saul's court and marries his daughter. And then uh, uh, then of course Saul um, thinks of course that David's going to try to. Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you know the, this is the guy the Lord anointed to be his successor, not uh, uh, Jonathan, his son, or anything any uh, any of the other of his sons. He had a couple other Melchishua, um, and um, uh, so and but then D- David kind of comes in, sort of. I mean, unexpectedly. I mean, he comes in as as a. Uh, you know, a harpist uh, or a shepherd uh, who, uh, who follows the the army because his brothers are in the army, and then and then he's his uh, uh, his playing of the music with his his harp or cithara uh, is is something which which um, uh, kind of wards away the. The, it says the an evil spirit that uh, Saul has, you know. So it's kind of like a showing showing the fact that um, you know Saul is getting the consequences of his sins uh, as a king, and uh, he he an evil spirit. Kind of, it says from Yahweh, you know, or, or at least right. Yahweh permitted that evil spirit to come. David, of course, is is uh, kills Goliath, and uh, you know turns turns the tables on the Philistines. And then, um, and then he becomes like a, uh, you know, a uh, officer in Saul's army. Then he becomes his son-in-law, and then, and then, um, then Saul persecutes him. And then he, he's, uh, uh, in, in, in fact, a, a, when it becomes worse, he even goes into the Philistine country and, and tries to get. Uh, he serves under Achish, who is a Philistine king. Uh, the seven seven cities of the Philistines, and then uh, he uh, Saul, of course, um, uh, is persecuting him, and and in fact his family as well. David has to get his parents out of the country to go to Moab to uh, to uh, keep them from Saul going after them. And uh, there were two specific times uh, when uh, David was close that he could have killed Saul. And one of them is in the is a cave in En Gedi, which is on the shore of the uh, Dead Sea. And Saul went in there. You know, he's with his army, looking for David, trying to uh, apprehend him and kill him. And he goes in the cave to relieve himself. And David and his men are in in the back recesses of the cave. And David comes up close enough to cut cut off his uh, cloak. And uh, and then and then. You know, when Saul finishes his business, he goes out, and then David holds the shred of the cloak and says, "Look, I could have killed you." 
know? right? And, uh, yeah. and 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 then and then Saul, of course, promises, "I won't, I won't harm you." Then there's another time uh, when when Saul is sleeping in the con- in like with his soldiers, and his spear and his water jug are next to him, and David and one of his uh, so one of his uh, attendants goes and and takes the spear and the water jug and and uh, you know, and, and so David is proving to Saul he's no threat to him, and um, uh, but and then, yeah. but in this case it, it the, what happens is this this of course is this particular psalm is a lament uh, it, it's called a miktam anytime the word miktam is used in the psalter it refers to David his psalms and and it's a uh, it, it kind of uh, shows the sufferer's trust in God and that he will bring him through the persecution. And uh, and, and so that's kind of the tie-in here. I, so that's why I kind of like to think that this psalm may have been uh, written uh, by David when he was in En Gedi in the uh, cave there, and he... Um, hmm you know, confronted Saul in that way. There's a, there was also, he was also in a cave in the city of Adullam, which is, uh, you know, in southern uh, Judah or in, in the middle of Judah, uh, where, where yeah. David and his men also hid. So that's, that's kind of like a, does that kind of give us a, it, it, but basically yeah, you have so. a situation where you got the two king, uh, the, the king and the one whom God has anointed as king. Yeah, no, no, I, I think that that's helpful setting it up. And, um, well, I mean, I think it, it helps setting it up, too, just from, from the very beginning, like with some of the, the, the very first words with uh, ideas like of refuge and mercy, um, I, I, like or even the, the language that we'll see, like about the storms passing by. It's what well, when you when you kind of think of it as you've laid it up with with this, uh, you know, David hiding out from from the king looking out for him like this in the situation. Um, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of, I think, levels where uh, this will help just to see the story in the background. But uh, let, let's go ahead then and, and go ahead and give this a read-through. So we're looking at Psalm 57 here in the English Standard Version. To the choir master, according to Do Not Destroy, a miktam of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. Selah. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness, My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts, the children of man, whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Selah. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. 
Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be all over the earth. Uh, I think the thing that uh, that strikes me about about the psalm is, well, I, I mean, I, I it's funny for some reason. I, I think that during this read through, I I couldn't help but think of uh, Daniel in the lion's den. That I yeah. mean, this the whole language of hiding in a cave and there being lions all around with, with uh, you know teeth and and the tongues, right? Um, the, yeah. the imagery is is very much there. There's there's animals right um, all around me, but that I'm gonna you know his his hope is that in the morning he you know he makes it right like this language of awaking uh, the dawn. So I, I mean I mean I I don't know to what extent we can make the connection between that uh, between this you know which which, which happens before you know uh, every everything with daniel um it would have been uh, written you know b- before that but um that that was actually just for some reason what where my head was going oh i think i think it's it's just natural for us you know uh, it it uh, it has like in and in, in in the case of daniel of course the lion's mouths are closed so that they cannot harm him uh but of course then when his persecutors are thrown in by king darius uh they uh, are uh, they're they're just torn up by the lions uh and and right. it's interesting it's like this becomes a metaphor for uh people that oppose us in the world uh where where it's right. like uh it, it, it you know you think of lion, the lion has has the teeth and the claws and the and and the, and it, i i there's even one translation which talks about the animals breathing fire so like a dragon and uh and, and in this particular case of course it's it's like the children of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and and you know and the, and, the, and and the psalms are very uh colorful and uh, graphic and telling about the evil of uh, the sinner, uh, you know, that they're like, they're, their tongues are like the tongues of asps, uh, where the, you know, the poison is, is, is right in the tongue itself. And, and here it's like the, the mouth uh, is, is the source of, of harm to the person who trusts in God. Well, in the in the mouth and what's in the mouth, I mean that, that's it's an interesting um, kind of kind of motif to be comparing because uh, you're you're mentioning how how closely re- uh, how closely tied um, or even related uh, David and Saul become. I mean, David David actually becomes Saul's son-in-law, um, and and even before that, he becomes the like the court you know, like a musician or a harpist or, or something like this, right? Um, or I guess like lyricist. He becomes um, a, but, a, the, a real close friend to Jonathan, uh, Saul's yeah. son. I mean, they're, that, they're, they're, their uh, love for each other as friends is, is legendary. And, and uh, you know, it's like Ruth and Naomi, you know, so it's kind of like a model for, yeah. uh, you know, uh, and, and, and so he was, it was almost like he was a member of Saul's family rather than Jesse's family. Yeah. And, yeah, and and yeah. and this is 
you know, you know, in a sense, you have the the psalm which talks about my bosom friend who who lifted up mm-hmm. his heel against me. Of course, is a is a prophecy of Judas doing that to Christ. You know, in a sense, Saul is kind of saying, well, here's somebody who is my I thought was uh, like in my family, and and he turned against me. See, that's what that's how Saul. Uh, rationalized his persecution of David, where he'd say, you know, he he, he turned out to be a traitor, you know, he turned out to be uh, an enemy to me. But but David was so so close to Saul and his family. Well, so, yeah, I think think so that you, you, um, I mean, that's what makes the, I mean, the conflict between them, like, all the more poignant. I mean, and and we we saw this, too, earlier, where where Saul is, is willing to kill his own son, Jonathan, because Jonathan, you know, albeit unwittingly, right, breaks the the rash vow that he made. So, I mean, Saul demonstrates that, and he won't be the he won't be the last king to demonstrate that a, w- a willingness to turn even um, on family members or even or even uh, his own son. But um, but but going back to the to the mouth idea, right? That there's yeah. this um, this unpleasant, you know. Uh, spirit that God sends on Saul, and, it, and it's in chapter 16, which we'll, I think, look at next time, uh, where where David's first connection before he becomes the, the son-in-law is just to, to be the one who's going to just play the liar um, and just and just calm him down and, and provide this this music that soothes him. So, I mean, that's, um, that, that's I, I think, a very—that's that, a neat contrast when you appreciate that in the story— that you know, here in Psalm 57, you've got the teeth of spears and arrows and the tongues of sharp swords, whereas David had been one whose tongue had made a, a, a sweet melody that had calmed and soothed Saul. So I, I mean, like that that kind of juxtaposition of you know he he's using you know like his mouth like an animal to try to you know swallow me. Whereas, right. you know, I was using my mouth to, to speak soothing words and to make music and to and to help him. I mean, that, right. that really uh, th- that's a contrast there. And and, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's just so tragic. And and in, in the, the story shows that the reason why God chose David, because David, uh, you know, is after God's own heart, uh, you know, is, uh, you know, is the Lord, the, you know, the one that, and, and it isn't that he was a tall or he was uh, a, a great warrior. Saul was a very tall man. And so everybody could see, yeah, this is the, this is the type of man that we want for our king. Um, but David, of course, is one that, that, um, uh, had and and David's dynasty too through Judah it would continue, and it shows. Show, of course, even though not all of his, uh, even his son Solomon would would uh, and and David himself uh, is a sinner and and right. and falls so terribly. But but again, it, you know, like as you said, the contrast about what is done, you know, with with uh, you know David David is completely loyal to Saul, and Saul, of course, is irrational and evil in his persecution of David. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I think the the contrast is, is, is pretty big on, on, a, on a few levels there, like you were describing, but, um, but so turning back around here, looking at the, at the, at the beginning, the superscription, um, just in a little bit more detail. So, uh, I, I think you were starting to get into this, that, that, 
I think you were saying you kind of see this as a as a lament. Um, what 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 insight does the superscription give us into everything here? With um, you know, to do not destroy. So and that I guess taking do not destroy is the, is the title of like a tune or something like that, yeah. or um, or that it's called a, a miktam. Right. It uh, you know it's it's basically. Uh, a a appeal to God. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, you know. In fact, um, there's some that say that the that this superscription should be God do not destroy. Um, mm. You know, L a God yeah. is L or Elohim, and uh, so it's it's it, it and, and, and it's used. This is the first Psalm in which that. Uh, accompaniment is suggested, and then it then it goes like fifty seven fifty eight fifty nine and then seventy five uh, a psalm of asaph uh, also use this uses this tune and and and, and i mean you know and i'm sure that the the um of the 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 singers and those who would uh, you know pray this psalm would 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 see you know the connection uh with that and then, of course, the miktam. Miktam, uh, it's unknown. The, the uh, uh, derivation of that word is unknown, although uh, in, in the Greek Septuagint, the Greek translation of, of the Old Testament, it's translated as a, a, a um, engraving or, in, you know, or it's called, this is kind of maybe a psalm of a, a, atonement, a covering. So that, that mm. those are just some of the insights on, on, the, on that particular word. But um, it's kind of like, uh, God, uh, don't be so hard on me, <laughs> and, and I know you won't. <laughs> and and yeah. and uh, you know, and there, and, and it's it's neat. I, I just wanted just about the structure of it. it you have the you have the a refrain in 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 verse five and verse eleven, which kind of divides the psalm and could be considered like an antiphon, or, or you know, used. It could be uh, you know when you when you uh, perform or uh, you know, and I, I almost think that as we see as we see these psalms, it looks like we could perform them in church, uh, yeah. you know, like a dramatic reading or musical uh, setting or something like that. Because and, and it's sort of written like that. And there's a refrain. There are these this one refrain: "Be exalted, O God, above the heavens; let your glory be over all the earth." And um, and those that 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 kind of sets sets the stage for uh, the point that that david is making here yeah well and i uh, i appreciate that that approach of um you know you're mentioned with miktam that you know well we, we're not sure what's going on necessarily with the hebrew term but well if you look at the 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 greek um it's it says you know inscription or something like this um and, and i i think that's really the way to go that when, when you have something in hebrew that you just can't make sense of well Let's look at the ancient Greek translation because you know those you know ancient translators who who worked you know over two thousand years ago, they probably had a closer idea of what the Hebrew meant than our you know just kind of wild guess <laughs> right. uh, here here in twenty twenty. So uh, so exactly. so yeah. So that's um. So I, I think that's that's an interesting then uh, way to think about that. You know, this is like an inscri- I mean, to to say inscription. You know what that what that means. I mean, yeah, I think you suggested you know maybe maybe that is the idea of kind of putting something on top of something else. Like, um, you know, maybe it does have the idea of like, like forgiveness or atonement or something. Or, um, you know, I guess the other way of thinking about it is you know is, is this like is the point is this is one that like David like wrote down himself. You know, as opposed to ones that are kind of like you know 
based on David or uh, inspired by David, right? Like this is like it's it's kind of like one of his autographs, so to speak. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So so there's a couple different ideas I I, I think we can uh, get from that, but I, I like what you were saying too about the structure. Um, cause, cause speaking of the Greek, the, the translation of, of, uh, of, of Sela or, um, or, uh, Sela, uh, in, in the Greek is something like a musical interlude. So, right. you know, to your point about kind of the, the dramatic stuff, it's like, there's, there's a couple of these moments of interlude, uh, which I, I think you're right. Kind of heightens the, the drama of the thing, because after verse three, it's like, okay, we're, you know, we're confident that God's going to put to shame him who tramples on me. God's going to do all this stuff. Um, but you know, kind of in act two, we see, you know, lions and fiery beasts and, oh, like, you know, what's going to happen. And then there's another interlude, uh, before the conclusion. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that would, that would be really interesting to, to try that. I, I do think, but, uh, mm-hmm. it's time for our, for, for break, our, our so. worship, our, our worship. Well, one, one of the other points I wanted to make was that the Greek old Testament, uh, which is a translation, just like our English translations was actually the old Testament for much of the early church that's right. uh, until, until there was sort of a, like St. Jerome is the one that, that got the church to thinking more, well, it's originally written in Hebrew and Aramaic, yeah. but, uh, the, the Greek, uh, was, was kind of what was read in the congregations in the early church. That's right. They would, they would have been, um, in some ways, de- I mean, depending on, you know, which particular Hebrew or group of Hebrews we're talking about, may have been more familiar with the, the Greek than, uh, than the original Hebrew. Um, just, right. just like we're more familiar with the English. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> uh, but let's, uh, it's time for our break here. But everybody, hold on. We're looking at Psalm 57 here on Nice Strong Word. We'll be right back. USA is the third largest mission field in the world, and church planning is one of the most effective means of making new disciples, new missions to new people in new places. Get ready to plow the fields. Check out the Mission Field USA podcast produced by the LCMS Office of National Mission. You can find it at kfuo.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. Yeah, I think your programming is just wonderful. I love the emphasis on the traditional tunes rather than the modern music. Keep up the good work. Thank you. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. That's 314 314- 
1542 Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Worldwide KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Psalm 57 today with a close connection here to the story of 1 Samuel that we've been reading, especially the story that's about to come up in chapter 16, 17, and especially going all the way up to uh, 22 or so, where, where Saul and David are at odds, and David is on the run, um, hiding for his life, and yet unwilling to uh, attack or kill Saul, um, but instead praying to God that the storm would pass. We're joined today by our guest. We've got our regular guest, Pastor David Boyce Clare, pastor at Faith of Bethesda Lutheran Churches in Pine Lawn, Missouri. If you've got a question for us and you're listening live, give us a call, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. You can also, uh, we don't have the live stream going, but you can still uh, post the question on facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. Got a question there about, is this song written before or after David spares Saul's life? Or does that happen between verses 4 and 5? Uh, so yeah, what's a, I guess we need to look at verse 4 and 5 to, <laughs> to, right. to get there in just a second. I um, want to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for your support of Thy Strong Word, their website, lhfmissions.org. Uh, yes. Yeah, so just before the break, uh, kind of talking about some of the insight we get from looking at the, uh, the Septuagint and, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, insight that we, that we might get, actually, there might be some insight even in how to translate this, uh, this first verse, uh, be merciful to me. Oh God, be merciful to me. It says, um, and this was something that actually I, I spent a little bit of time on thinking about when I when I first read this because I guess when when I hear the words um, "be merciful to me," I, I think of uh, well, and actually this probably has a lot to do with the uh, with, with the readings we've had in church recently because I think wasn't it just last Sunday like the Sunday not this one but the of the week before I mean where we had this story of the the uh, the unmerciful, unmerciful servant. Yeah, the, the unmerciful the, servant, right? And he's right, pleading, the one right? who you know he owes his he owes his uh, king uh, billions of dollars. Yes, right. And the king forget writes it off, and then he and then he goes after another dude because he owes him twenty dollars and right. puts him in jail. <laughs> he's yeah, not merciful right. to that other servant. It, exactly. So that's I I think I was kind of thinking about something like that where you know he's saying like oh, be, be merciful, be merciful, you know, which is like. Uh, just you know, get you know, give give me a break here. Give, like, give me some time. Like you know, please. I, I think um, you know, technically, it's a plea for forbearance or or leniency or or uh, you know, like hey, don't don't throw the book at me, um, and and punish me as as harshly as as maybe I I deserve, you know, but but have some mercy in in that sense. Um, and and so I think that when I was you know, when, when I hear like be merciful, be merciful like that. I think that's where my mind goes, um, but then I looked at the at the Hebrew, and I was just struck by this because it, it's not necessarily a term for, um, you, you know, like go go easy on me or kind of like you know, hey hey, would you stop 
punishing me so bad for the bad thing I did. But this is a, a phrase that's actually translated in many other places. Uh, be gracious to me. Um, even in the, um, the ironic benediction, uh, may the Lord um, make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. That, that the, the, it's actually about, about hein, grace, uh, grace. Yes, and, and mercy, what mercy is, is not getting, getting what you deserve. When, we're, when we ask God for mercy, you know, it, we deserve hell. We deserve to be punished forever. We deserve because of our sins. And, 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 and Saul, you know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, how we read Saul's uh, activities. You know, he, he, he's, he's just doing as, as sinners would often do, really messing up and, 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 and offending God. And, and when, when we pray, have mercy on me, it's, it's don't, don't give me what I deserve. Be gracious. As you said, it, it's, it has the idea of God's uh, loving attitude toward us for Christ's sake. And that's and that's what that's what having mercy is in this case. And notice how it's how it's re, it's doubled. That's, that's yeah. one of the of the the, the uh, um, techniques of of David as he composes this psalm. He he doubles the uh, these words. You know, blessed are you, O Lord. Blessed are you. Be merciful. Be gracious to me, O Lord. Or in, in this case, of course, it's it's Elohim. It's because uh, Elohim is used in these psalms. Elohi- Elohimic <laughs> uh, the yeah. psalms here, and and uh, uh, that that's kind of like for emphasis. It's a it's a uh, yeah. uh, you know it's a poetic. Uh, technique yeah well yeah yeah no and it's it's interesting the way it um the way the way it does open up like that i mean like it's in, in some ways it's it's like just the hanini elohim the have be gracious towards me oh god is almost just kind of like a summary of the entire psalm um almost yeah. like a like a title or something like that um as as That's the first I... lines of songs often are right Right, um, and this, the Latin, you know, in the Latin, it's miserere mei, you know, yep. is it, and that is the type, you know, in other words, you know, if, if it, they're in church, you know, in, in the Middle Ages, and they'll say, well, which psalm should we sing? The miserere mei, quoniam, you know, yep. th- th- that's this psalm, you know, so they know which psalm it is. Uh, and, and, um, and it's like, as you said, I think, it, I think it's a perfect title and theme of this psalm. So, so then, um, you know, so I, th- I think your, your comments about like what, what mercy entails are, are um, a helpful way of thinking about what mercy is. Um, and, and then, and then kind of guiding us into thinking about really what, you know, God being gracious is, um, I, I mean, in an even broader sense that it's not necessarily that David's saying here, um, you know, I, I, that God, well, you know, it's because I, messed up and I, I wasn't a faithful servant and I, and I betrayed Saul's trust and, you know, being punished, but, you know, please forgive me or please, um, you know, don't, don't give me the, all the punishment for this that I deserve. I, I mean, this is, this is on the contrary, you know, as, as you were right. saying earlier, whereas Saul has been shown himself to be unfaithful towards his son-in-law, um, David's shown himself to be exceedingly faithful and in fact he's going to you know prove that in the cave uh, when he you know doesn't take Saul's life even though you know most people would be inclined to maybe take a shot at that as as a way of just you know hey well now 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 I can sleep easy and know that he's not you know after me anymore 
So, so he's really not necessarily going towards, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the run because I messed up. Right. But, you that, know, God, God, right. would you, would you, would you show me favor? Uh, would you, would you take pity on me? Would you, uh, well, you know, like, would, would your, would your face smile on me? And uh, I, I think that that's, that's really interesting because it's like <sighs> Saul should be the one who giving him favor and being gracious with him. Right. I mean, D- David's, David's only been good to him. Um, you know, back when he was in, initially put into Saul's court in chapter 16, um, you know, I mean, he initially has the favor of Saul, right? Um, I'm trying, I'm right. trying to remember like where, um, cause, cause Saul's like, you know, Hey, I, I need somebody who, you know, who can like help me out here. And, uh, what, what is he? Yeah. Yeah. This is great. In verse 22, it says, uh, Saul sent to Jesse saying, let David remain in my service for he has found favor in my sight, uh, which, you know, is, is literally, um, you know, hain, uh, the, the, the same root grace in my sight. So, so David should be getting grace from, uh, from the, from the face of Saul, but right. he's not. And, and so given that the solution is like, well, he's not giving me what I deserve. So I'm going to get, get after him, um, and, and turn the tables, but like, well, you know what? I can't get it from Saul, but I know I can get it from God. Yeah, which which is I, I just think that this is like the fascinating move, right? It's just I feel like our, our human nature is to just want to exact revenge or just turn the tables on the person. Um, but but David just does it differently. He just pivots. He just says, Well, if I can't get the good things from people, I know I can get them from God. Well, and and it's interesting is that those that, that are left no option and and like david is is like he's hunted he's hunted he's persecuted and so on and, and and luther once spoke about like poor people who are taken advantage of by the rich and 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 yeah. luther says you better watch out because they're going to call on the lord who will avenge them or you know i yeah. mean they will he, he will show his favor toward them he will be gracious to them he's he's very very attentive to them and that's kind of the idea here i you know here i am i i can't even be in my own country i have to go among foreign uh you know uncircumcised um people and and you know i'm being driven out and and it's like god uh, be gracious to me and grace of course is the whole that's the center of the gospel and and you know you got the word chesed in this psalm as well but it's 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 god's riches at christ's expense you know or, or uh, you know the, the uh, acronym for grace yeah, yeah god's yeah. riches at, at christ's expense so yeah no absolutely so i mean grace um is 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 that central idea um just that idea of I mean, it gets back to the idea of of someone who's in a superior position, who is able to grant, um, like you were saying, riches, right, to to someone else who is in a lower position, and and so you know, even though David has been, yeah, like, uh, you know, ch- chosen by by God to to be the king, I and mean, he's the one who defeated uh, Goliath, right? Uh, yeah, he he has the the attitude. Uh, and the self-perception of one who is is low before God, who is who is who is high, right? And like, I mean, and that's actually the way he talks about him um, in verse two. I cry out to God, Most High, um, and and in verse three, He will send 
from heaven and save me. And then down, it was, I think, at the end of it, right? Um, in verse 10, you mentioned chesed. Here, there it is in verse 10. For your steadfast love, chesed, um, again, that's the word for, like, faithfulness or loyalty. Again, what he is not getting from Saul, what he right. should be getting from Saul, but he's not, so he's asking for it from God, is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. So, yeah, at the beginning and the end, we see it, this orientation of seeing God as as high, mighty, the ultimate source of good and faithfulness and grace, even uh, th that's even there and faithful and working when the sources that we expect those things on earth are not working and have been unfaithful and have turned on us and betrayed us. Exactly. And, 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 you know, mentioning verse 10, it, it's just that the beautiful metaphors that are used, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of Psalm 103, and I wanted to mention that in, in connection with another verse, but as, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so high, is, you know, yeah. so great is his love toward us. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And, right. and uh, you know, it just the the you know it just shows the fullness of the gospel, which is we cannot be measured. You know, it, it's it's uh, there's no end limit to that uh, pure fountain of love that God has for us in Christ, and and it and it and it's and it's that and he and he binds himself to that. That's what the word Hesed. I remember in right. in, in a a class uh, that I had, I. I pointed out as uh, Noel Freeman said that Chesed was was just grace and then my professor said no it also is a uh, that God binds himself to us right. that he, that it is his steadfast love that is you know he 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 is the one he will keep his promises even though we don't <laughs> you know That's right. and and it's uh, it just uh, is so powerful with with God's favor and love in Christ yeah, that's right. That's right. It's that it's like the idea of a connection. Um, I, I mean, and loyalty. Uh, so you know, and, and again, like that's that he had a connection with Saul. You know, when when Saul went, and I mean, because I think what didn't um, Saul give his daughter in marriage to David as one of the rewards for defeating Goliath, if I'm recalling correctly? Um, no, no, no. It, he he. Uh, David was sent on a mission to get uh, like. Uh, uh, I don't know, 50 uh, foreskins of Philistines. Oh, you know, they would, there's they would that. Kill, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they would, he would kill so many Philistines, and then he would circumcise right. them, and he'd have all of those. And David, of course, doubled it. <laughs> you know, he got the double of what uh, Saul expected. That was, that was the bride price. Yeah, yeah, there you go, there you go. Right, right, Michal, right. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, okay, yeah, that's right. So, so right, so, I mean, like, and, and the thing is, like, you know, this is, this is a big deal. This isn't just, like, here, here's a, a pretty girl, and because I'm the king, I can, you know, arrange marriages or something like that. But, but it's the idea of um, tying himself to somebody, right? I mean, like, it, it, this is why people want, I mean, like, like hearing this prize and like, whoa, hey. I mean, because they're getting to join the, the king's family, you know, basically, right? This is a fantastic position to be in, um, yeah. you know, because you think, well, he's going to be on my side then, right? He, you know, he's going to be, you know, have this 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 connection. This, this uh, like you were saying, he's tying himself to me. Um, and the, the thing is, we see that. Well, okay, Saul, you know, ties himself to David, but that doesn't last David very, very. Uh, doesn't get him very far, right? In the end, but when God no, ties himself to us, um, 
yeah, he never, he never changes his mind or waffles or, um, shows any kind of infidelity at all. Uh, but, but so, uh, but so going back to the beginning here, uh, so yeah, we're just taking a look uh, at the idea of, of grace there in verse one, um, you know, the, the idea of taking refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I think, I think uh, last thing on, on just verse one, uh, that's an interesting way of talking about it because like, again, I, I feel like it's just so passive. Like it's instead of saying, instead of saying, oh, okay, well, you know, Saul's being terrible to me. So God, you know, help give me the strength to you know, outwit Saul and best him in battle. It's like his, his prayer is just, God, just let the storm pass. Just let me survive this, right? He he doesn't. I mean, he's he's not really directly wishing any uh, evil on Saul. Um, it's right. just the, the prayer is just just let me get through this. David David was very respectful of Saul's being anointed, and in fact, when he cut off a piece of his cloak, you know that bothered him. You know, I, I how how could I violate God's anointed? You know, so there, the, David has a real uh, sense of the sacredness of being anointed as king over God's people. And that's something that's, uh, you know, and uh, you're exactly saying, it's kind of like a situation where, um, you know, uh, just, uh, you know, one, uh, one example is like uh, Queen Elizabeth uh, the, the I and her, his, her sister Mary was queen before her, and Mary treated her sister very badly. And then, and then uh, uh, Queen Mary, uh, of course, was married to King Philip of Spain, and, and she said to Elizabeth, um, you know, you're not going to tell my husband about this. You're not going to uh, say I mistreated you, are you? And, 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 and Elizabeth said, I must not do so. You know, I'm not. I'm certainly not going to do so. So in this, like in this case, uh, David is so respectful or in, in awe uh, of the uh, in reverence of God's anointing Saul as king uh, that it's like you know, okay, we're just we'll kind of uh, weather the storms and then we will, you know, God keep you know preserve me because I'm I'm in real trouble here. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 Exactly. I mean, it is. It is just very. Um, yeah, it's, it's it, again just very humble, seeing himself as low, and, and God is the one who's who's uh, who's high up and ultimately in charge. Um, going going to the middle section here, since we're kind of already approaching the end here, um, you know, verses four through uh, six, this this middle section, uh, again the, the the comparison to to lions and to fiery beasts, and like what I was saying, just kind of like the, the connection that you get to. Uh, you know, Daniel, when you, when you kind of think of the, the whole of, of, of scriptures here, um, you know, wh- wh- why do you think, I mean, is there, is there anything else to this, um, to the, this lion and uh, I don't know, an- animal, like wild beast metaphor? I mean, per- perhaps it is just because he's out hiding in the caves and there, there are <laughs> wild animals out there. And so maybe it's just kind of fitting as he's, you know, out, out there um, in, in that setting but um, you know, I mean, I don't know. It just it just it feels very rich, um, especially like the the talk of fiery beasts. Um, interesting perspective here. Yes, and and um, you know, it, it, as the Psalms are also, you know, I mean, I'm applying it to Christ. Uh, you know, it, it really speaks to his sufferings on the cross. 
I mean, you know, yeah. as you look at Psalm 22 and like here, you know, in other words, he is he is he I mean, the, the, you, you can see the torments of hell. Uh, and, 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 you know, the, the Psalms, in a sense, are songs that Jesus would sing uh, in his work of redemption of all of us. And, um, and, and, and this kind of thing is, it, see, he's saying, you know, it, it's like, I don't have my solution in hand, David would be saying to God. Uh, you're, you know, there's a, there is a, there, there, I, I, I'm going through very great opposition and it's, and it's, and it's, uh, bent on destroying me and my family and, and everything. And so, and, and, and so it's, I rely upon you to bring me through this. And, 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 and in a sense though, it's like, these are metaphors, of course, for how people can be, you know, people can be so mean and cruel. I was thinking about the, the storm, uh, till the storm passes by. Have, have you ever had the experience where your daughters were afraid of a thunderstorm? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like, and, and you know, uh, I, I remember as yeah. a child, you know, it, it just, see, it's going to get worse before it gets better it, and then it'll go and then it'll pass. Count yeah. the the number. Uh, count between the lightning and the thunder, and the mo- and the more you can count between the lightning and the thunder, it's it's passed by a little bit more. And so there there's yeah. kind of like this force of nature that's against you, and and you're asking. And, and you know Christ uh, when he was in the in the boat sleeping, and the disciples were you know about to be uh, swamped in their in the boat. And they say, don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus gets up and rebukes the wind and the sea. Yeah. But in this case, no, It's you got to wait till it passes. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, that's right. And, um, I, and I think that's a, that's, a, that's a neat connection, too, just the idea of, um, I, I mean, like being in a cave, right? I mean— he could feel very vulnerable in that, in that position, right? Because, you know, depending on, on, on how this cave works, right? If you're, if you're in the cave and then all of a sudden you're surrounded, it's like, well, you've got nowhere to go, right? You're trapped. And so you can feel like you're, right. you've, you're about to be swallowed, right? Like that cave right. is the mouth itself, right? right. Um, of the line. And in fact, like we even use um, that metaphor in our English language, right? We talk about like the mouth of the cave or something like that, Right. right. Exactly, um, or or even you know in some of our poetry, like the, talking about the maw of death or something. So right. yeah, I I think that just this idea of that being in the cave, you think of like Jonah in the belly of the whale, right? Like the idea of being swallowed up, um, is, is like always a scary idea. Whether it's like swallowed up by the sea, we talk about that sometimes. Like you're mentioning the Lord Jesus on the boat, um, or being in the midst of a storm where, yeah, it's like it's like the thunder. It's like a it's like a roar or something like that. It's like we're in the midst of something big and, and we and we feel small and surrounded in that kind of situation. But that's that's where they get the reversal in verse six, right? And it's like he, you know, he's in he's in the mouth, the the net, he says in verse six, the pit. Um, but there there's the reversal. We see this in so many Psalms, right? But they have fallen into it themselves. Do you think that that helps us understand then the setting at all, uh, especially that the last section then um, from verse seven onwards has all this praise? Do you think this is um, what he was praying in Thanksgiving after he is uh, he spares Saul's life and gets out of the cave, or it's like this is what he's like kind of saying like while he's in the cave, you know, before Saul shows up? Like, what, what do you think like the the kind of the mood is there? Well, it could be both. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's like I know I, it's it's the song of faith 
that says, I know yeah. you're going to bring me through this. And so, and, and in a sense, it's and by anticipation, you, you praise him for his deliverance. Um, and, but, it, but, but very much, you know, like it says, uh, they can fall. You know, Saul was just simply uh, relieving himself in the cave, you might say. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, he, he, he basically is the one he, that kind of uh, put David into the cave, you know, by persecuting him. So, you know, he, he could be uh, actually sometimes caught in the, in the pit that he made himself. And, and that, that's true for many evil people that, that uh, intend evil against God's people. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it, there is kind of that, like, um, ambiguity, and it, I think you're right, the ambiguity sort of, um, in some ways, arises because of faith itself, because uh, the perspective of faith uh, looks at what God promises and sees it as, as it's as good as it's already happened, um, and right. looks at the present circumstances and, and trials, and in the perspective of faith, it's as if, as if it's as good as if, They've already passed, right? So I, right. I think faith itself kind of introduces, like you were saying, kind of the, the ambiguity of it. Um, you know, just just looking at it, um, I, like I, it, it's a little bit difficult to say, but um, I, I mean, like, because I, I think too, even grammatically, you could kind of say something like, you know, like when they, uh, you know, dig a pit or something, they will fall into it or something like that. So right. um, it, it is challenging for like a few reasons to make sense of um, in terms of, you know, trying to pinpoint it exactly. But I think that overall, um, like you were saying, just in, in faith, that kind of the perspectives merge and the the end result is, well, like whether, whether it's tomorrow or whether it's, um, you know, in the past or whether it's just right now, because we see it in the eyes of faith, we, we see the dawn, we, we've, we see the light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> we, we're, we're yes. getting out of the cave. Um, and that way, I mean, it's very, it's very Easter like, right. Where it's like, you know, that's in the past for us and, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus is in the future for us, um, waiting for the resurrection, but it's something we experience now, um, through baptism. Right. And in verse eight, you know, it says, awake my glory. Sometimes that's awake my soul. Uh, that, that kind of goes into the shiny part of me, all that is within me. Uh, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Amen. Thank you, brother. Uh, really, really good talking through this psalm and, and seeing the connections there. Looking forward to having you on again soon. Yes, thank you, and God be with you all. Thank you, brother. And with you, everybody, that was Pastor David Boyce Claire, Faith and Bethesda You've Lutheran Churches, Pine Lawn, Missouri. Going back into First Samuel. Till then, I'm Pastor H.S. Spinoza. Peace. In cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at KFUO.org. Thank you for listening and supporting by Strong Word.